section twenty six of the three lieutenants this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot org the three lieutenants by william henry giles kingston chapter twenty part two the slave dealers attempt to retake the prize gallant defence enemy defeated the supplejack appears in good time the night continued perfectly calm while a light mist somewhat obscured the shore and distant objects he knew that sounds though from a considerable distance could be heard and that he should thus have timely intimation of the approach of boats even should they come off with muffled oars the captured slaver with four hundred human beings stowed away in her hold has not yet been described the slave deck was divided into two parts in the larger portion the men were packed away in the smaller the hapless women and children when the slaves were first received on board on the african coast the largest men had been picked out to act as headmen or overseers of the rest and having been threatened with punishment should they refuse to obey orders they had not unwillingly taken the office imposed on them they at first divided the slaves into gangs of about twenty men each for whose good behaviour they were answerable their first duty had been to stow away the slaves the slave deck was about four feet in height with beams and bars running from side to side on these beams the slaves were compelled to sit with their heads thrust between their knees so close together that when one moved the whole mass had to move also care had been taken to place the largest slaves the farthest from the ship's side or from any position in which their strength might avail them to secure a larger space than their neighbours one portion of the deck was much lower being scarcely twenty inches in height and in this the children were stowed away when the slaver was captured the hatches were found closed and all the larger men heavily ironed and it may be imagined had the chase continued long what would have been the suffering of the unfortunate wretches the slaves were fed twice a day and in order to give room one half were allowed at a time to come on deck the only opportunity they had to stretch their limbs at meal-times they were arranged into messes and when all was ready at a signal from the headman they commenced eating their food consisted of rice or farina which is flour made from the cassada or a species of potato boiled or calabances a kind of bean occasionally a small quantity of salt beef fish or chilies was served out to them as a relish after each meal they were made to sing not for their amusement but to enable them it was supposed better to digest their food each black after this received about a pint of water the whole allowance for the day below the slave deck were stowed the leaguers which are huge water-casks together with the provisions wood for firing etc the upper deck was kept perfectly clear to enable the crew to work the sweeps during calms there was no poop but on either side were two cabins six or eight feet long and three or four feet wide to serve as sleeping-places for the captain and officers the crew lived forward under the topgallant forecastle the vessel had but one small boat carried amidships in which articles of all sorts were stowed so that if a man had fallen overboard it would have been next to impossible to pick him up 
this is a description of most slaving vessels though steamers have of late years been largely employed adair and desmond paced the deck for an hour or more stopping every now and then to listen no sound could be heard coming from any direction and the town was too far off for the hum of its human hive to reach them it was now nearly ten o'clock adair had ordered snatchblock not to strike the bell as it might show the slavers should any be meditating an attack that those on board the prize were on the alert and make them approach more cautiously than they might otherwise be inclined to do adair had brought a stool from the cabin and sat down leaning against the outside go in and get some sleep he said to desmond i will call you if you are wanted i am not tired and if you will allow me i will go forward and try if i can hear anything i fancy just now that i caught the sound of several splashes in the water as if fish were leaping in the distance answered desmond he made his way to the topgallant forecastle lay down and listened the sound he had heard became more regular though still very faint he was certain however that it was the dip of oars in the water he waited however before informing adair knowing that there would be time enough when the boats came in sight as all hands were prepared for action perhaps after all they are not coming this way he thought yes they must be though he said to himself the sounds are much more distinct than when i first heard them at length he made out several dark objects emerging from the mist he had once hurried aft with the information be ready lads said adair the fellows i was warned would attack us are probably coming five of you remain on the starboard side and five on the port side snatchblock and i will work the guns keep under shelter and don't fire till i give the word then blaze away with muskets and pistols and use your pikes as you may find necessary don't let them discover that we are prepared till the last moment i will call you where you may be most wanted i know you will do your duty and we shall beat them off never fear that silence now and go to your stations adair spoke in a low voice to the men gathered around him he had arranged them at equal distances along the bulwarks where they crouched down with their muskets in their hands and their pikes by their sides he had lighted a couple of slow matches and put them into tubs near the guns ready for use desmond remained by him and prepared to get whatever might be required he and snatchblock kept a lookout one on either side to watch for the boats the sound of the oars was now distinctly heard and in a short time they clearly made out six large boats evidently pulling towards the brigantine as they approached they closed with each other and came up on the port side they were still at a short distance from the vessel when adair hailed in the best portuguese he could command and told them to keep off we allow no boats from the shore to visit the vessel at night and if you come near it we shall fire into you he shouted some loud chattering ensued and in spite of the warning they had received the brazilians dashed up alongside there must have been five-and-twenty men in each boat a considerable force to be opposed by adair's small crew the brazilians came on with threatening shouts and cries evidently intended to intimidate the british seamen keep off again cried adair but his warning was unheeded he sent desmond to call all the men over the port side take the consequences then he answered fire lads the bullets which came flying into their midst for a moment seemed to damp the courage of the brazilians but recovering themselves they let fly a volley in return adair wisely bobbed and several bullets flew over his head all attempt of concealment was now useless 
the brazilians dashed up alongside and attempted to get on board but were met by the boarding pikes of the english crew some using those weapons others spare muskets with which they blazed away though there was no time to reload them it was sharp work to attempt driving back one hundred and fifty men at least who were endeavouring to climb up the side armed with cutlasses and pistols the strongest party of the pirates were making a vigorous attempt to get on board on the quarter adair calling to snatchblock ran out one of the guns and desmond being ready with a match fired right into their midst the piercing groans and cries which followed showed the terrible effect produced the boat drifted away not having been hooked on and the crew having deserted their oars another boat immediately took her place and a big fellow with cutlass in hand springing to the side and shouting to his companions to follow attempted to climb on deck before adair could defend himself he had received an ugly cut on the head from the fellow who was about to follow up the blow when desmond seizing a pike rushed at him with such good will that the point entering the brazilian's breast he fell backwards into the boat adair though hurt was able to make good play with his cutlass snatchblock was keeping a dozen fellows at bay while the rest of the crew were employed in a similar manner bullets were flying and blows were rapidly given and taken though several of the englishmen were wounded and some very severely not a man had been killed they could see that the brazilians had suffered much more severely some had been knocked overboard into the water others lay dead or dying at the bottom of the boats again and again however the pirates came on as if determined at all costs to take the prize with her five hundred blacks on board again terence was wounded and another big brazilian apparently the leader of the pirates was levelling a pistol scarcely two feet from his breast when snatchblock seeing the danger of his young commander brought his cutlass with such force down on the fellow's head that he clove it in two and sent him tumbling back into the boat out of which he had sprung the pirates though they had met with a much warmer reception than they expected were unwilling to abandon their object and encouraged by their leaders some twenty or more made a dash together at the fore-rigging several gained a footing on the chains others caught hold of the shrouds and backstays adair saw that a desperate effort must be made or the enemy would after all gain the deck keep them off the after-part of the vessel snatchblock whatever you do he shouted and calling desmond they together dragged over the other still loaded gun and ran it through the foremost port with its muzzle pointed towards the mass of their assailants who were prepared to follow those already climbing up the side desmond fired springing out of the way of the gun as it ran back the deadly missiles with which it was loaded scattering among their assailants knocked over several howling with pain two at least dropping dead when the british seamen with their cutlasses quickly cleared the rigging and sides of the remainder the tones in which the shouts and loud jabbering of the pirates were uttered showed that they were beginning to think that they had had enough of it adair and snatchblock with several of the men set to work and reloaded the muskets and just as the most daring of their assailants were about to make a fresh attack they let fly a volley the pirates did not stop to receive another but getting out of their oars began to pull off each boat seeming to be the most eager to get away from the daring little band who had so obstinately refused to have their throats cut and the blacks in their charge taken from them the seamen though bleeding and sore from many a cut and thrust gave vent to their satisfaction in a triumphant cheer i think we are clear of them for the present sir said snatchblock and i doubt whether they will be in a hurry to come back again we will be prepared at all events said adair get the guns and small arms reloaded and placed ready for action and then see who is most hurt it won't do to let our blood flow till we grow weak ay ay sir answered ben i believe most of us have got a scratch or two but i hope you are not hurt sir 
as to that i believe that i have not escaped scot-free said adair but i want to overhaul those who have suffered most and bind up their wounds you may release pedro and get his assistance though it won't do to cast the others loose just yet adair as he spoke felt very faint and had not snatchblock caught him he would have fallen on the deck desmond ran to his assistance and while he sat on the stool outside the cabin brought a glass of strong grog which quickly revived him the men were in the meantime binding up each other's hurts as well as they could with their handkerchiefs after having reloaded their arms snatchblock released pedro who seemed pleased at the successful termination of the contest his shipmates he said suspected him the pirates would have undoubtedly cut his throat had they got on board he helped desmond very scientifically in dressing adair's wounds beg pardon sir said snatchblock if you will just lie down and get some rest mr desmond and i will keep a lookout and call you if we get sight of our friends coming back to us i'm not much the worse for my scratches and so five or six of those most hurt among us can turn in and try and get back their strength in case we have more work to do to-night adair agreed to ben's proposal and having ordered grog to be served out to the men he himself lay down to obtain the rest he so greatly needed except here and there where white marks in the bulwark showed the spots the bullets had struck and the cutlasses had hewn out notches scarcely a sign of the late desperate struggle was visible all was silent on deck desmond alone paced up and down turning his watchful eye on either side while snatchblock took a seat on the booms notwithstanding his assertion that he had only received a few scratches he felt however considerably the worse for them for the rest of the watch he lay down trying however to keep awake and be ready to start up at a moment's notice pedro suspecting that food would benefit all hands lighted the galley fire and began to prepare some broth he had before this gone below and quieted the blacks who had naturally been alarmed at the noise of the firing not knowing what was happening he now sat down in a corner of the caboose with his arms folded and fell asleep while watching the soup boiling the night grew on and morning was approaching a breeze had sprung up from the eastward with sufficient strength to disperse the mist and to keep back the usual land wind which blows from the opposite direction while it ruffled the surface of the harbour into waves just after the first streaks of dawn had appeared above the horizon desmond caught sight of a number of boats collected up the harbour they appeared to be pulling towards the brigantine but as the wind was against them and the current was setting in they made but slow progress desmond awoke snatchblock who had fallen asleep and told him what he had seen maybe the same fellows as before are coming to pay us a visit he answered if they are we will treat them the same as the last time don't call mr adair he wants rest and there will be time enough when the boats get nearer ben however got up to have a lookout and then called the rest of the crew he found pedro still asleep in the caboose with the soup boiling over he asked him what he would wish to do get the soup ready first said pedro then you lash me up as before i no wish fight the soup being ready desmond called adair who as well as his crew found it very welcome i doubt much whether those fellows will venture to attack us though it's as well to be prepared he observed if they do though there may be twice as many as at first we must beat them off adair and the rest had been so engaged in watching the approaching boats that no one thought of looking eastward with the exception of desmond there is a sail in the offing and she is standing in for the harbour as far as i can make out he exclaimed as he held the glass still raised through which he had been looking adair took it from him and eagerly watched the approaching vessel you are right my boy he answered she seems to me a brig about the size of the supplejack 
but we shall make her out more clearly in a short time if she is a friend those slaving rascals will not dare to attack us but she may be a slaver herself and then she will assist them whispered desmond and then we shall have to fight her as well that is all i can say about it answered adair what do you make her out to be he asked of ben who just then came aft she is scarcely large enough for the corvette or i should have expected her to come in and look for us that craft is a brig and as like to be the supplejack as any other said ben i don't think the people in the boats have made her out yet or they would save themselves the trouble of a long pull against wind and tide some time elapsed before the matter could be decided the boats made but slow progress but the stranger standing on under all sail rapidly approached the mouth of the harbour still the former would be alongside and if the brazilians had sufficient determination they might cut the cable and tow the brigantine up the harbour before the brig could come to her assistance the brazilians must have seen the stranger by this time but probably they did not believe that she was a man-of-war they had now come within musket-shot terence on looking through the glass saw that there were several officers in uniform in the boats and began to suspect that they were really official characters sent by the government to inquire into the cause of the firing in the early part of the night he did not therefore wish to commence hostilities till he had ascertained if possible their real character the stranger had now slightly to alter her course when the english flag blew out and adair had no longer any doubt that she was the supplejack the flag at the same time had been seen by the people in the boats whatever were their intentions they ceased pulling apparently holding a consultation then putting about they made the best of their way up the harbour terence felt very much inclined to let fly a volley at them but mercy or prudence prevailed though if they were the pirates they deserved any punishment he might inflict on them as the supplejack rounded to under the stern of the brigantine adair hailed and said what had happened when rogers accompanied by tom and mctavish instantly came on board you always come in the nick of time jack exclaimed adair as they shook hands we had a hard tussle last night we might have had a harder this morning if you had not made your appearance but how is it that you have come in here jack replied that after the gale he had chased a slaver which had led him a long way out of his course and having fallen in with the tutor murray directed him to look for the prize and then to escort her to rio when she was to be sent to sierra leone mctavish doctored the wounded men and adair declared that he felt well enough to go on shore with rogers to lay his complaint before the government regarding the outrage which had been attempted in a friendly port the governor senhor jose de silva souza declared that he knew nothing whatever about it he had been astonished at hearing firing and had sent the captain of the port with his attendant officials to ascertain the cause they came in pretty strong force then and i should have certainly fired at them had they attempted to come on board what redress can you make us asked adair i will direct that the fellows be looked for and if we catch them they shall be tried and hung immediately that will not be much satisfaction to us observed adair the governor shrugged his shoulders and terence observed that he should lay the matter before the admiral at rio who would certainly not allow it to pass unnoticed the british consul of course said he would have the matter looked into but as there appeared to be no use in waiting longer as soon as adair could obtain provisions and water he and rogers got up anchor and sailed for rio the only information the admiral was able to gain on the subject was that the attack had been made by a party of slave-dealers who hoped to surprise the brigantine cut the throats of the prize crew and then make sail to another port and land the slaves trusting of course to the effects of bribery to escape detection End of chapter
chapter twenty